Would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 86, and we'll be reading the first 13 verses. Psalm 86, verses 1 to 13. Psalm 86, beginning with verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. If you have a Bible with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 11, and we will have a bit of a look at God's Word here. Luke chapter 11. The story starts out by Jesus praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, verse 1 there, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness or persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, find, who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Have you ever asked for something and didn't get it? You know, you desperately wanted something when you were a little kid, whether it was roller skates or a bicycle or an electric train or something. I wanted an electric train in the worst possible way, and my mom and dad bought me something else. Still, I've never had my electric train. You'd think by now I would get over that, right? <laughs> but mom and dad, in their wisdom, decided to give me another set of motorized things, and it was fun and everything, and, and, and probably a good thing that I didn't get my electric train, but somewhere along the line they knew better, and I had to trust their opinion on that. And one of the realities in life for all of us whether we're young or whether we're old, is that you can't always have everything that you want. And it doesn't always cause us great psychological damage when someone says no to us, right? You know, you've had to say no to your kids. Sometimes you say no because what they're asking for is totally ridiculous. Sometimes you uh, say no to your kids because um, you just can't do it. But I showed my mom. I did. My mom one time, I wanted a guitar in the worst way. I think I was 13 or 14 years old, and I was begging and whining for a guitar. And so my mom finally relented. And as she gave me the money, she muttered on her breath, I'll bet you he's never going to learn to play that thing anyway. I showed her, didn't I? So there, mom. Now... There are times that we treat God like a heavenly Santa Claus. You know, there are times that we say to God where we expect Him to meet all of our expectations and give us everything that we want. And there was a request that came to Jesus from His disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. Just recently, I spent four days in a fiddle camp learning how to play my fiddle a little bit better. Most of us who were there at fiddle camp already knew how to play fiddle to some degree. Most of us here probably know a little bit about the business of praying. And some of you, or some of us, probably think you don't need any help. But the reality is one of the beautiful things about music is no matter how old you get and no matter how good you get, you can always learn something from somebody else. And when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, they recognized they needed some help. They saw Jesus praying, and they needed some help. I had a guy ask me in a logging camp one time. I had vowed for prayers. We were having breakfast in the cook shack one morning. He and I and the cook were the only ones in the cook shack. And he asked me a day or so later, hey, what do you say when you pray anyway. He wasn't a praying man, but he wanted to know what to say if he decided how to pray. So the reality is that we need to learn to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. And that little blurb in there in the beginning of this chapter, the Lord's Prayer, when you look at it, like most of our prayers, I think, at least I catch myself, and when I'm if I'm pointing at you, I've got three of these digits pointing back at me. Most of my prayers, I find, are me-oriented. 
They're about me. Their Lord, teach me this. Or Lord, give me that. Or Lord, help me this. Or, or those kind of things. They're me-oriented and, and, and make my life better. And, and I, I use words like that. And when you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's, it starts out with the focus on the Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The Lord's Prayer is not a pattern for us to repeat over and over again. It's a prescription. It's a prescription for us to emulate. It's a, something for us to follow. And when we start a prayer, we need to start a prayer with some adoration and worship. Lord, hallowed be your name. How do, how do we do that? How do I honor your name, Lord? How do I, you know, like, like I've heard so many people in Nippon say to me, well, if that's a Christian, I don't want anything to do with that. If I'm going to hallow God's name, I've got to carry that name and bring honor to that name wherever I go in town. Even if I want to flip someone off when they're cutting me off on the main drag. There's a focus on the Father. There's a focus on the kingdom. Your kingdom come. It's not about us, it's about Him. It's about God's kingdom. And then there's a focus on the family. Give us this day, each day, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. It's about the family. And lead us not into temptation. And you know, sometimes, I think most of you know this prayer. You know this prayer by heart. And sometimes I use the Lord's Prayer when I do a funeral. And we pray it at the graveside, and everyone can kind of mumble or stumble through it. But do we really pattern our prayers after this? When I go to fiddle camp, when I go to a music camp, you know, I'll stand up here and play my guitar or play my mandolin. And, and sometimes it sounds pretty good. Even I need to admit that. Sometimes I, it really clangs, but you know, but, but sometimes it sounds pretty good. But you don't know the hours that I've spent practicing on how to do that. I'll play the same phrase over and over and over again to get the, not just da-da-da, but da-da-da-da, to get the phrasing just right, to get, you know, not only put my fingers in the right place, but to get the emphasis on the right syllables when, you, when you're playing music. And I will practice over and over and over again. Judy, when she plays piano, Eileen, when she plays organ, Lois, and all the other people that play instruments here, there's a lot of practice going. You don't just walk up here and say, well, I think I'm going to play this instrument today. You know, if I was to sit there and play piano, you'd walk out of here. You would. I'm not good at that. But you know, you need practice. And, and we look and say, well, why do I need to practice? I, I pray all the time. Yeah, but do you follow this pattern? When you analyze your own life, when I sit down and play with a piece of music, you know, one of, one of the wonderful realities about computers is that I can take a piece of music with the software that is available on the computer, and it's even free, which does my Dutch heart good. But with the software that's available on, on the computer, I can take a piece of music, I can slow it down and stretch it out, and it goes plunk, 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 plunk. And I can follow that. I can, I can emulate it. I can follow that. And, and, and so I need to, you know, and then plunk, 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 plunk. 
Okay, I, I can speed it up and I can do this. And I need to analyze this. What I'm playing matching up to what I'm supposed to be playing. Or I can read it on, on a piece of paper. Okay, this is what I need to do. And I need to listen critically to the music that I play so that I, I can tell whether or not I'm playing it correctly. You and I need to analyze our prayers sometimes. How do you do that? Let me give you some hints. Take the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. You know it by heart. And when you sit down or when you kneel or whatever it is you do or when you walk or, or whatever, um, when you take time to deliberately pray, Lord and I used to have, when I was driving truck, used to have lots of informal conversations. But when you sit down to pray or kneel to pray or, or whatever, you're having your devotions, what do your prayers, what are you saying in your prayers? Analyze your prayers. Here's something else you can do. And we did this when I was in, in Bible college. Sit down and write your prayer out. Write it. And then formulate that prayer after the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. The Bible said, or the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And if you say, well, I don't really need that. I know how to pray. Analyze. Think. Work through it. It's a challenge, yeah? I know it takes time. And I know it takes effort. But like learning music, it involves practice, repetition. It takes analysis and perhaps the coaching of others. You may think, you know, when, when I was at fiddle camp, you may think you're playing something correctly and your coach, my, my instructor, would say, no, I want you to do it this way. Yeah, but I like it this way better. He says, no, it's better if you do it this way. Now, why should I do what my coach tells me to do? Because he or she probably knows better than what I do. And who better to teach us to pray than Jesus? And then Jesus went on to tell them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he's talking about persistence in prayer. Jesus said, don't give up. And, and he's talking about this person who has company coming over and goes over to a friend's house and say, hey, I need to borrow some bread. I don't have anything to set before my friend. And, and Jesus said, you know, even though the person won't get out of bed and, and give food to the first guy, once he keeps bothering him and explaining to him the reason for it, he will get up. Now, what's the point here? <coughs> Excuse me. Point is that sometimes we come to God with a casual request and say, God, could you please give me a million bucks? That would be nice. Or help me win the lottery or whatever. New motorcycle would be nice for me. Or airplanes or or toys, or, or whatever else, and, and yeah. You know, but, but I mentioned that in passing, and, and, and it's kind of a, it's not something I really want. And, and this request, by the way, was not something about, Lord, I want a new toy, or I want this, or I want that. This request was, Lord, I have company, and I need, I need to take care of these people. It was oriented. And the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach is this. You need to ask. 
You need to seek and you need to knock. You need to, to not just go away empty-handed. You need to ask. You need to persist. You need to follow up. But we need to give God the freedom to answer as he sees fit. And, and the interesting part of the story is this. When you, when you look at the end of this little pericope, this end of this, this piece of scripture, look at it with me. It starts out by, in verse 5, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Okay, so you know the story. And then Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. And basically, when you and I read that, we say, okay, we need to go to God. We need to ask him and, and whatever we want, he's going to give to us, right? And then the whole tone of the story changes in the end here, so Jesus says, verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead or an egg, a scorpion instead of an egg? And if you then know, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How did we get from three loaves of bread to the Holy Spirit? You ever ask yourself that question? How did we get from three loaves of bread, which are temporary, which are earthly, which are totally transient, how did we get from that to the Holy Spirit, which is, is eternal and spiritual versus temporary and physical? You see, so much of our prayer requests are about the temporary and the physical. And Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, Jesus changes the focus altogether. And we go from three loaves over to the Holy Spirit. Three loaves of bread aren't a big deal. What is that, six bucks? Something like that. Thank you, Brian. I doubt that's going to help, but I'm going to take it anyway. God saw fit to bless me with the cold in the summertime. Like, what was he thinking, eh? That's just something not right about that. <clears throat> but how did we get from there? Oh, it does help. <laughs> how, did, how did we get from, from three loaves of bread to the Holy Spirit? Do you ever think sometimes that, that, that our prayers are so much, you know, me-oriented, physical-oriented, temporary-oriented versus that which is eternal? Really? In Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a different story, and I think we have verse 1, and are ready to go up on the screen here. And, and Jesus said, Jesus told his disciples a parable that they should always pray and not give up. And it's about this, this lady who, who's trying to present her case before the judge, and the judge won't listen to her and, and, and doesn't want to deal with her. And, and the whole point of the parable is because this woman doesn't give up, the judge listens to her. And yet, the end of that story, same thing. You see, it's, it's about this lady who has a problem, and then Jesus makes the application. At the end of that story, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust, just, unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? And all of a sudden, it's going from a temporary physical request to something that is absolutely huge. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who come before him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. 
However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And sometimes, you know, you and I get so wrapped up in our problems, and, and, and the reality is, like, like even me with this, uh, this heart thing that I've got going on here, you know, my, my world gets really small. And, and we've got problems, like, like we live in this small world, and, and Jesus said, like, like, it's not just about me, it's not just about my problems, it's about get a hold of the bigger picture here. It's a much bigger picture than my own discomfort. Now, got a couple minutes left. Let me throw a warning in here for you. What happens when we ignore God's instructions and we do it our way anyway? What happens when we ignore God's instructions and we decide to do it our way? Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He's teaching us how. He's teaching us to be persistent. But on the other hand, and he's teaching us to, to look at the bigger picture, on the other hand, sometimes God gives us our demands at, to, to the reality of our own detriment. And sometimes when you and I demand things from God that God doesn't see fit to give us, he will give us those things, but then we wind up paying the consequences. Let me take you to the Old Testament, to a story. You know the Old Testament Exodus story. God had, the Israelites had gone down to Egypt, spent 430 years there, uh, wound up in slavery in a horrible situation. And so God sent them Moses to take them out of Egypt. Um, they managed to rob the Egyptians of all their stuff. They went through the Dead Sea, wound up where? In the wilderness. Wonderful place, that. All the comforts of life in the wilderness, right? So they wound up in the wilderness. Who put them there? This is Sunday school. Who put them there? God did. Yeah, there you go. God put them there. Now, they didn't like where God put them. Because the wilderness, there was no Mickey D's, there's no Timmy's, there's, there's none of these other things, there's not even pop, um, there, there's none of that good stuff in the wilderness. And so they started to bellyache. So what, what were they bellyaching about? Jeremy, do you have Numbers 11 up there? The Bible says the rabble with them began to crave other food and said, if, and the again the Israelites started wailing, oh me, it's all about me. If only, I would be happy. If only, if only my situation would change, I would be happy. If only we had meat to eat. We remember, you know, like, I, it, it was so good back there. You know, that's why we had to leave, because it was so good, because we ate fish and at no cost and cucumbers and melons, and there was Timmy's, there was Mickey D's, there was Dairy Queen and onions and garlic, right? But now we have lost our appetite we never see anything but this manna. Where did the manna come from? God. God saw fit to provide them with their food. Now, you'd probably get tired of it too. When Kathy and I lived in Three Hills, uh, we had the privilege of getting free hens from Prairie Bible Institute. Once a year, Prairie Bible. You remember those, David? Yeah, once a year, 
prairie would, would uh, rotate all of its laying hens. And you could get all the old hens you wanted. You just had to go there and kill them and gut them and pluck them. Old hens, wonderful things. Year old. First time we had one, Kathy cooked one of those suckers. It was like, like chewing a rubber ball. It, it tasted absolutely horrible. What's the point of this story anyway? Oh, yeah. God provided us, you know. Um, and, and, but, but they were free. So we got a whole bunch of these old hens, and Kathy learned that if you, if you put them in the pressure cooker for about 24 hours, no, it was only, what, four or six or something? If you put them in the pressure cooker for a long, long time, and then you cut them up into very, very small pieces, uh, you could hide them in a stew or something like that, and, and you know, after four years of that, I said, and I got a paycheck, I said to Kathy, let's not have chicken for a long, long time. But how do, you, how do you ask God to provide your food and then complain at what he sets in front of you? You know? So, never see anything but this manna. And so God said to them, and they demanded other food. And God said to them, all right, you want meat? I'm going to give you meat. Do you have the next reference up there, Jeremy? So God told Moses, he says, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five or ten or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? God, why are you doing this to me? I don't like it. I don't want it. I reject it. I want you to give me what I want. And when we do that, we got the next reference up there, Jeremy. All that day and night, and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than ten homers. Then they spread them out all around the camp, but while the meat was still between their teeth, and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. Psalm 106 says these words. They soon forgot what he had done. And did not wait for his counsel. In the desert they gave in to their cravings. In the wasteland they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease upon them. King James Version says he sent leanness into their souls. When you and I pray, there is only one person who has all the wisdom, and that is God himself. When you and I pray, there is only one person who has all the power, and that is God himself. Even Jesus, 
when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he died. He said, Father, I don't really want to do this. And if there's any way around this, I'd sure like to go that way. But then he said, but nevertheless, your will, not mine, be done. And while you and I need to persist in prayer, while you and I need to, we are invited to bring our burdens, to bring our cares before God, we need to be extremely careful about giving God advice, about telling him what he needs to do, about submitting to his will and to his wisdom. Because sometimes God gives us what we demand, and it's the worst thing that can happen to us. If God ultimately knows best, then he knows what is best for me. You know, we've asked, the disciples came to Jesus and asked if he would teach them how to pray. So often you and I go to God and we say, I want this, I want that, I want this, and I want you to do this and make that person do that and do this in my daughter's life and do this in so-and-so's life and do that and all the rest of that. And sometimes we just need to back off and say, God, I'm going to leave this in your hands. I'm going to leave this to your superior wisdom because you know what you're doing. And sometimes we need to get our focus off that little world in which we live and to talk about eternal things. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on this earth? Do you and I have the faith to trust God? Or do we want to manipulate him and work things out our own particular way? I trust that you and I have the faith to let God be God. That doesn't mean we need to be fatalists, but we need to submit to a heavenly Father who has the wisdom, who has the power, who has the love, who has the concern, who has everything else, who knows best, way better than what I do. I had a song chosen to end the service. We're not going to sing it. I can't. I tried singing when we were doing the choruses up here. My voice is totally uncontrollable. So we're just going to pray, and uh, then we'll be dismissed, okay? Let's stand together. Father God, you are the one who has all power. You are the one who has all wisdom. You are the one who loved us so much that you gave your one and only Son so that we could believe in you and freely receive the gift of eternal life. Lord, help us to walk in faith. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith in Emmanuel Baptist Church? Will he find faith in the family of God? Wherever you choose to put us. So Lord, we just ask for your wisdom, your discernment, and as the disciples asked, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. Help us to pray according to the pattern that you give us, to obey, to walk in your ways. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.